LinkedIn presents. Welcome into another episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast for the thinkers in freight. We are proudly presented by SBI Logistics, and I am your host, Blythe Brumleaf. I'm happy to welcome in Sean Hagen. He is the head of North American operations and COO at Carton Cloud, and we're going to be talking about all about the TMS, the WMS management systems, which is kind of redundant if I say that phrase kind of back to back. But we're also going to be talking about the Carton Cloud Q1 Logistics Index reports, which has some really interesting findings. So we got a lot to get to. So Sean, welcome into the show. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm really look forward to getting stuck into the conversation. Now, now, speaking of, of getting started with the conversation, I thought your LinkedIn bio was a, a portion of it was really would be really cool to sort of kick off this conversation. And so I just want to read a little bit from it. And your bio says the calm one in the room when the pressure is on, I am focused on winning, not who gets not who gets the credit, won't pretend to be an expert in areas that I am not, but I am a quick learner and I am adept at finding and turning to those who do have the right experience in helping fantastic teams achieve success. I relish thinking about and solving hard problems with a focus on finding the best solution given the available resources and pride myself on maintaining an unwavering fixation on delivering value to customers. You're kind of laughing about that, but I think it's such a good, I think it's such a good background to what, you know, logistics is in general yeah I think that that's like uh when you see yourself on camera or you hear your voice it's just that that cringe of discomfort going oh my gosh I can't believe I put that on a public facing profile but uh no I um I appreciate you uh digging digging that up um and and I actually uh it's 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 really good insight I think that's one of the things that I have found um most satisfying about logistics is that's not just sort of the way that I've sort of probably operated in my career, but it's also just the way the entire logistics industry um, works. Uh, it's sort of um, co-opetition at, at times where, um, you know, coming together to get the best outcome for customers, but also, you know, competing against each other in, in other areas and being able to support that industry and um, through through technology has been a really in- interesting and challenging um, uh, and exciting sort of last five or six years. For sure. And so for folks who may not be aware of you and your career journey, give us a little bit of insight into your career background. And you've been at Carton Cloud for what, about five years now, and then how you ultimately arrived at Carton Cloud? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I've been at Carton Cloud for about six years. Uh, but prior to that, I had a background originally in corporate finance and, and law. Uh, and I distinctly remember uh, one day in the office, um, looking at numbers on screens and, and just feeling very disconnected from anything that, um, in my perspective at the time, really mattered and, and making an impact in, in someone's sort of day-to-day life that I I quit my job and started working in technology startups um, a bit over 10 years ago. Uh, so the, the last company I was at was a lighting control company selling into the into the construction sector. Uh, and then I ended up getting introduced to Carton Cloud by the, the chairman of the board um, and have been here for actually coming up for, for six years, um, just helping the sort of, you know, helping the growth um, that we've been going on for the last um, yeah, last six years, starting off in Australia and New Zealand and, and now sort of um, heading up the operations over in North America. And what was really cool is, is on the, the Carton Cloud website, it said it was, you know, the software was originally developed to save a medium-sized refrigerated transport and warehousing company based in Sydney, Australia. And, and now Carton Cloud is used by more than 450 logistics companies. What, I guess, sort of makes up the, the, a, a typical, is there a typical Carton Cloud customer or what does that makeup sort of look like? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And um, uh, I think one thing I'd say is that every logistics business is genuinely different. Mm-hmm. So um, a typical customer can, can mean something different in different contexts. Uh, but where we came from was, as you mentioned, out of a warehousing and transport business. And so from the very start, we had software that was designed to be used by either warehouses or transport or people doing both, um, predominantly asset-based providers in you know, the logistics space. So we, we have a pretty even split of about a third, a third, a third of customers using just the warehousing system, just the transport system or, or customers who are you know running both um, the, the warehousing and the transport system for you know their own vehicles and, and their own sites and in, I think that is actually the the segment where we've been the most successful where businesses don't have to sort of you know manage two separate applications they can do it all in one um, but I would say that uh, we have a pretty even split in a typical customer um, you know we really target the small medium enterprises so we're not looking to grind try and sell to the, um, the the tier one logistics providers. We really focused on the, you know, maybe five to 50 or, or 100 sort of employee size operations um, with a couple of sites or, you know, uh, five to 50 vehicles uh, and really helping them transform their business and, and become really successful with software. And so you, you mentioned earlier that that you have relocated to Vancouver, uh, British Columbia and Canada. I just actually went on, on a trip there. Beautiful, beautiful city that probably the prettiest yeah. flowers I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's stunning. We've just had our, our first spring here and it, yeah, it's been it's been lovely just enjoying the, um, uh, the, 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 the flowers, but they make you earn it. The, uh, the winter really makes you, you know, <laughs> stick it out and, and wait for that to come come back around. Yeah, as a Floridian, I would die if I lived in anything. Well, where <laughs> that we, we moved like... <laughs> from was very similar to the climate in Florida, and so it has been a, a slight adjustment getting used to um, shoveling snow and, and uh, <laughs> not seeing the sun for a few months. But it is it has been absolutely worth it. We're we're loving it here. The the flowers are absolutely worth it. I think now now when you are not necessarily from a personal move, but what about from a, a business aspect? As you're starting to break into North America, the Americas, what I guess are there any changes to your system that you have to make in in order to accommodate you know the TMS systems and the WMS systems? Are are they inherently different from you know say like New Zealand, Australia versus the states, or is it pretty much the same? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think um, we obviously did a lot of research and analysis on what customer requirements were. We wanted to be able to bring the success and the product that we'd had um, in Australia and New Zealand into North America. So we didn't want to start from, from scratch. And we were able to, I guess, identify that there was um, a good meet, good meet, sorry, a good um, match for the requirements of operations here. And to be honest, over the, the last 12 months of being here, I've been surprised at how similar the requirements are and how little adaptation we've had to do to localize the product. I think we, we'd allocated time, resource and energy um, to, to doing that. But um, outside of changing a few S's to Z's, it, it hasn't actually been a, a mm-hmm. huge transformation. And, and the challenges that businesses are trying to solve with technology here are very, very similar to what we mm-hmm. had been used to seeing for the last five years in, in Australia and New Zealand. Um, so we've, we've had to do very little in terms of local customization. And, and we've been able to, I think, also validate that the product is a great solution for the same sorts of businesses we can help um, in other countries. And so when uh, one of your YouTube videos that I was watching, you, you really focused on, um, you, you know, you'd mentioned something around the lines of, you know, we focus on the customer experience. We have logistics professionals, experienced logistics professionals that are involved in the onboarding experience for for new customers, which I think is 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 
pretty unique compared to other, you know, a, a lot of businesses that I talk to that they're just worried about getting bodies and seats, but you're, you're more focused on it. It sounds like you're more focused on getting that experience and helping that experience through the customer onboarding process. Is that a safe assumption? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. Um, yeah. It, it, every person that our customer speaks to from the sales process all the way through the implementation and support has come out of the industry. Uh, it's absolutely essential to us that we um, mm-hmm. provide an excellent um, service to go with the product. Uh, the product's fantastic. It's easy to use, doesn't need a lot of help, but uh, really some of the value we add to our customers is that the people they're speaking to speak their language. They've they've run warehouses the same size and shape as them. Um, they know the pain points. They understand the challenges they're having with staff or customers and can really help them make sure they get the most out of, out of the software, um, but also help sure that they're making, you know, providing that sort of ongoing support to make sure that they, they get maximum value. Is there a typical sort of uh, onboarding process or, or setup for, for new customers? What are they typically, you know, I guess, struggling with? And then where do, does Cart and Cloud, you know, come in and, and, and solve that problem for them? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the, the typical pain points that we see um, that for customers that we're implementing are around their customers' expectations. You know, right now you can order a $6 pizza and you, you get almost, you know, photographs and GPS tracking the whole way to your to your door. If you order five pallets of, um, of freight, you, you might not get any updates until someone drops mm-hmm. it off at, at your door. So their customer expectations around in- integrations, visibility, automation are increasing they're often struggling to sort of scale uh, as well. So they're struggling to fulfill their growth ambitions. They're not quite big enough to bring on specialists um, or they're potentially finding that the admin is, is bogging them down. So an implementation for us is done remote and online. We, we do have the ability to go on, on site, but we, we get our customers up and running in around five to 10 hours. So we're talking oh, wow. days potentially weeks for someone to get fully up and running on the system and getting value basically out of the software from that first or second call. So that's one of the things that really differentiates us um, and allows us to take businesses that are maybe struggling to get value out of other software or have never been able to successfully implement software and are surprisingly large and running off paper and spreadsheets and replacing that with um, with it, yeah, with, with our, our software, but really just to help them fulfill on their um, their growth objections or uh, objectives, or, or help their customers um, yeah, have a better experience with with them and their operation. But get yeah, the uh, to answer your question, sorry, um, it is yeah, it's an online implementation, and we're really just going through. It's all configured through the um, the interface, train them on the system, and then off they go. That's crazy. That's five to 10 hours or, you know, just a couple calls for onboarding. I, I remember when I worked at a 3PL, it, I think it took us a year and a half to onboard a new TMS, which was a nightmare. And it was so painful to have everybody use it. So that that's incredible that you're cutting that time down by that drastically. Absolutely. And that's essential for us to be able to work with the, the small, medium enterprises. You know, the, the larger providers can maybe afford to take 18 months mm-hmm. to, to get to get those solutions implemented, but um, being able to get that done in a couple of hours or a couple of days is um, is a huge differentiator. But also, um, yeah, that's that's what that's the that's our ethos. That's whenever we develop the product, it's it's got to be easy to use. Otherwise, we, we go back to, to square one and start again. Yeah, I love that you brought that up. That enterprises can enterprise level companies can afford that delay, but small businesses and and small to medium sized enterprises cannot. Um, it's very you know a day loss could be you know or a week's loss could really be crucial to their bottom line and maybe you know their survival of their business overall. 
Absolutely, and um, you know that that also might be the one window where someone has the time and availability to implement software. Mm. Whether that's you know a truck breaking down, staff staff member leaves, something going wrong with your largest customer, it, it can very quickly get get too busy and too hard. Um, so if you can't get that done in a short period of time, yeah, whether it's an existential threat or, or whether it's just business as usual noise from running a logistics business, it, it can get very very difficult for them to to then get that time back. Are you in freight sales with a book of business looking for a new home? Or perhaps you're a freight agent in need of a better partnership. These are the kinds of conversations we're exploring in our podcast interview series called The Freight Agent Trenches, sponsored by SPI Logistics. Now I can tell you all day that SPI is one of the most successful logistics firms in North America who helps their agents with back office operations, such as admin, finance, IT, and sales, but I would much rather you hear it directly from SPI's freight agents themselves. And what better way to do that than by listening to the experienced freight agents tell their stories behind the how and the why they joined SPI. Hit the freight agent link in our show notes to listen to these conversations, or if you're ready to make the jump, visit spi3pl.com. In our industry, we talk. We talk about what works and what doesn't. And Carton Cloud's easy-to-use warehouse and transport management software sure has people talking. Carton Cloud's WMS and TMS is designed for growing 3PLs, giving you the tools you need to compete with the major players with flexible pricing, no lock-in contracts, and expert local support. They've helped nearly 500 logistics companies worldwide with hundreds of five-star customer reviews. Want to check it out for yourself? Everything is Logistics listeners can get 50% off your first three months with Carton Cloud. Head on over to the cartoncloud.com website and see the show notes for more information. And with a lot of your, you know, so, so we talked a lot about, you know, the, um, the the customer experience and the onboarding, getting those those folks up and quick uh, up and running very quickly. And now we move into a little bit of, of a different part of the conversation that I wanted to have with you, and that is the Carton Cloud Logistics Index Report. Can you give us a little bit of insight as, as to how this report came to be and, and what kind of... I guess, a major insights that you've gotten from it, because you started it in 2021, correct? That's correct. That's correct. So we've been running it for two full years now. Um, and when we launched it, what we were really trying to do um, was, was develop something that was usable for the industry to, to help them get some feedback on sentiment, confidence, uh, you know, help them compare how they were feeling to how everyone else was feeling, especially in the, as we grew a um you know, a base of 20, 30,000 users a day, um, being able to go and take advantage of the access that we had to the logistics industry to produce something that was going to be useful. So the sentiment index really came from trying to get a, 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 like a check on the pulse of the industry. And the methodology we use is um, we ask three, three, three main questions um, and, and they center around um, how do you expect your business to perform in the next six months? What's your view of the current economic climate for your business? And then what would you say is the likelihood of hiring additional staff within the next six months? So by asking those same questions um, every time we've run this report, we've baselined the index at the start of 2021, and we've now got two years' worth of data to get um, some trends, see some variance in terms of how the industry is feeling. Uh, And we basically uh, have a methodology where we 
have some composite scores across those three questions. Uh, and it's proven to be very interesting and also very consistent with, I guess, what we've been seeing in the sales and support process from our customers in terms of identifying what the industry is seeing and feeling. And we've taken the opportunity each report to also ask some other very topical trends, whether that's around environmental and sustainability, whether that's around staffing and, and port closures that have obviously been prevalent over that two years two years as well, uh, or technology like AI and robotics. Um, we've also sort of taken the opportunity to get some, some feedback so that customers can see what other people are, are thinking, people in the industry can see what other people are thinking and use that to kind of um, benchmark and inform their own decisions. And, well. and you had close to 2,000 responses for, for this year's survey. And and how often are you are you conducting this survey? Because I imagine if you're conducting it pretty frequently since since 2021, that you, that data that you're sitting on is is probably pretty valuable, especially in you know the the world of AI and large language models and all that. <laughs> yeah, look, I we haven't uh, we we're still focused on just trying to build a WMS and, and TMS, but maybe we'll uh, commercialize the CCLI data at the um at the next uh, offsite. Um, but no, it's it's we have now got I think a really nice data set that spans back yeah over about I think eight to ten surveys over that, that time. We are running it um it, it, like on a quarterly basis uh, and then sort of publishing the the report every six months um to sort of outline some some trends there. Um, but yeah, two thousand responses, so we've got a really great. Um, data set now split across a whole bunch of um, geographies. So we had responses from North America, obviously Canada and the US, all across uh, Australia New Zealand, but also quite a few um, responses from Asia, Europe, um, and sort of South America and Africa as well. So it's been really interesting to sort of dive into the data. Uh, and it's gotten richer every single time. We've yeah, that, that's super interesting about the just what everybody is dealing, everybody's dealing with the same kind of problems, but they seem to all be happening at different times of the year, yeah. I think is a safe assumption. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you would. I, 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 I couldn't wait to see what the results said about you know, especially now that we've got a much larger footprint internationally, and and remarkably, it, it they all actually end up being quite similar. There were some there were some interesting trends between regions, but it was very much interesting that because logistics is so intertwined, I think everyone's kind of feeling and going through a lot of of the similar um, similar sorts of sorts of things. But one of the biggest differences that we found is that the summer in North America is offset from the holiday season around Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. So we've seen a lot less volatility in North America. Um, you know, it's much more consistent. You know, demand increases over the summer period because people are doing more. Then it maybe drops away as it gets colder, but then picks mm. up again as the holidays and the sales trick in, um, trickle in. In Australia, we, we sort of double down on that. It's our summer over the November, December period, which is also our holiday period, which is also, you know, the, the large, the long school break. And so we have these incredible, you know, cycles in Australia where it gets incredibly busy for three months and then the middle of the year is a lot, lot quieter. So it's been interesting kind of unpacking some of those trends as we've had a, you know, a, a more diverse range of, of responses. But um, no, the... The, the, the overall trends have been uh, have been interesting and it's been good to um, also you know be able to provide that back to the industry so they can see um, what everyone else is, is saying and feeling about the outlook for the, the logistics space. And, and you started this report in, in 2021 when things were still, you know, kind of crazy. Um, they I feel like this year, you know, <laughs> maybe we're settling into what the new normal looks like. Uh, yeah, whatever that <laughs> yeah, is. <laughs> we're just kind of guessing, I think, at this point. But it, it would be interesting to know if, you know, maybe offhand, if you know of any, was it that, did the data show that 2021 was that crazy versus 2023? Or is it still kind of just, there's no real patterns, I guess, maybe over those last couple of years? 
I, I think it has, um, it's certainly been, um, yeah, it's been, I would say crazy. It's been hard to get a, a good read on mm. a baseline over that period because whilst obviously the pandemic was very disruptive to a lot of industries, logistics almost probably benefited, you know, not that you'd ever want to say it was a positive, but the logistics industry obviously went from not a lot of recognition to being very prominently an essential service. Um, demand for logistic services went up, um, prices went up. Obviously, that also had you know, operating cost increases. So we've seen some wild fluctuations in terms of the outlook for economic like outlook for business growth, which has been extremely high for a lot of that period. But that's often been offset by very difficult hiring conditions. And so expectations around being able to add staff while staff shortages were, were very prominent, um, skilled labour was, was not available, there was government subsidies that were maybe reducing the availability of, of workers in logistics. I think we've almost seen in the last sort of three to, three to six months as the new normal has maybe rolled out, some of the hiring expectations have probably come back a little. It's been a little bit easier maybe for people to, um, to sort of access or, or solve the staffing issue, but maybe the economic outlook has, has probably cooled off a little bit. And I think we've seen a pretty big drop uh, overall of around 10% in the latest index um, to make it actually, ironically, almost exactly where we started at the start of 2021. But it has been a, a wild ride of sort of peaks and, and troughs through that to end up back at a, at a fairly kind of what feels like normal outlook for the industry after a after a pretty hot two-year period. Now, getting into the to the specifics of, of, of this report from this year, the Q1 report, you know, some, some of those key takeaways, the, the first one being the majority of logistics companies use, on average, around two to five systems. What is the, I guess, the barometer there? Should it be more? Should it be less? Or is it, you know, kind of just dependent on each business? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Well, it was a very interesting, um, I, I guess, insight that we got from this question. So we asked the question of, you know, how many applications the average software company, the average logistics business was was running. And, and as you said, the majority was, um, was, was more than we expected. Mm-hmm. I think the big takeaway there is that as cloud-based software has become more specialized, easier to deploy and more focused on individual parts of what an overall logistics business needs from a technology perspective, I think we've seen a departure from the one-stop shop where you go and you get your one platform that does everything under the sun and it might not be very good at everything, but you just suck it and make Mm. it work, to businesses taking a more holistic approach to what their requirements are, you know, separating their accounting system from their logistics management system was one that's been happening as, you know, cloud-based systems like QuickBooks, Sage have become more specialized, uh, but also being able to roll on maybe a, a driver a driver management application mm-hmm. or a warehouse management system, even if it's for different sites or different applications. I think the connectivity between cloud-based applications has improved, so has the ability to, to sort of integrate separate systems into a into a sort of a single um a single solution so i actually think that it's a positive because i i would i would interpret that based on you know conversations with customers as well as actually customers getting better tools for the job that might mean they have a little bit more overhead to manage three or four or five software but they've got the capability now it's easier than it was five or ten years ago and it means that they're using the right tool to achieve what they're trying to achieve across their, their business. So I actually, I, I expect that will be a trend that will continue to head down that direction because requirements uh, are not going down. And I think it's increasingly difficult for the um, one-stop shops that do everything, financials, compliance, everything under the sun to keep up with customer expectations. And there will be people who are successful on, on a single application, but I think you know the, um, 
not a lot of businesses have the, the budget to implement SAP um, across their entire business. So they, they try to piece together something that, that can be just as good by using best-of-breed cloud-based applications. And that's where I, I think it almost feels like over the last couple of years that, that being able to, to integrate your, your technologies with each other and have them talk <clears throat> to each other has now become table stakes for, for a lot of these companies. Uh, yeah. I completely agree. It used to be a point of difference for us, I think, five years ago, how easily we were able to build integrations. It's always been a very big focus for us, but it's a ticket to play now. You, you, if you, you know, that's, that's why we focus so much time and energy on that connectivity piece uh, and giving the users the tools because that is now your that, – that's just an expectation that you can play in that cloud-based API centric kind of integration sphere um it's not it's not a point of difference it's yeah it's a basic expectation and, and speaking of a- a- ai the the next takeaway that we have here is there's a strong industry interest and in new and evolving technology like ai machine learning robotics and 3d planning software mm. where I, I feel like i could do an entire show on each of those topics but <laughs> it, do you see uh it, interest is one thing but do you see companies actually yeah. making the investments or is it more of a wait and see approach Approach, especially when around, you know, w- when people talk about AI right now, they're typically talking about ChatGPT and you know those kinds of systems. But there, there's other AI that that existed long before ChatGPT. Ab- absolutely, and there's some very interesting AI that is specific to the um, to the logistics space. Um, you know, we yeah we we've been sort of very much focused on that and working out how we can use the data we have for our customers to enable them to access those so it's a great question and one of the things we like to do with the logistics index is ask the same question again a year or two later and the trend in that question was was very interesting hmm. from the last time we went there robotics is probably sitting at around the same number where i think everyone kind of knows that's coming is trying to work out how to potentially justify the investment up front, how to kind of reduce the reliance on, on staff. But I think that is a, a challenging one for the SMEs to get the, the budget. But the AI and the machine learning and the 3D resource planning have, have kind of shot through the roof in terms of their popularity compared to um, compared to about a year or two when we last asked that question. And to your question about are they, is it interest or is it actually going to decisions? I think that the large organisations are testing and trialling and doing proof of concepts to validate the the the, um, the business case, and I think that that's something that is starting to become much more common. But I still think that the the, the sort of typical SME um, is probably still not quite sure what to do, how to navigate that space. It's probably, you know, still playing catch up a little bit on the, you know, the internet, secu- like the security side of things, the integration side of things, and now it have to go and tackle the AI and machine learning. That's where I think they're looking to service providers to help them kind of bridge that and be able to offer, you know, connect much more integrated solutions that let them start doing that. I don't think ChatGPT or, or BARD is likely to be the answer to AI for logistics. I think those are obviously language-based models that have some fantastic applications. Maybe you could help some of them rewrite their websites, but I won't. I won't <laughs> name names. Um, but uh, but I think that the um, I think where the opportunity here is, you know, looking at things like route optimization, which has been in the industry for a long time, but maybe taking a more flexible approach to, to that rather than needing so much data integrity or uh, resource utilization in the warehouse. And we've seen some really cool businesses like Syncware that have come out of there that are, that are doing some really cool stuff. But yeah, connecting that. I guess the value with what's achievable for those businesses, I think is going to be the really interesting trend um, over the next couple of years so that we can see a higher uptake because the small medium enterprises are often the ones that are, have the most to gain out of that. Amazon's already using 
AI and machine learning. So, you know, it's going to just mean that the smaller guys that can't access that are going to be at a competitive disadvantage until it does become achievable for them. And, and then on the automation side as well, I, I I would imagine that automation is a little bit easier to implement into a company, or am I wrong in, in that assumption? I... I well, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't a little bit easier. I, I probably couldn't say the five to ten hour thing today. But um, no, I think that that automation is is a little bit um, is a little bit easier. And I, I think um, yeah, that that is a lot more achievable for these businesses. And I think that also then there's it's easier to break down systems and workflows into pieces that can be automated. Um, uh, so it may not be automation full end to end, but it might be automating the most mm. painful parts of a, of a process. And that's really where configurability, ease of use, flexibility becomes kind of the, the key the key aspect for those businesses because they have different, have very quite varied requirements. You've been in the 3PL warehouse, you know, even across different customer profiles, you have incredibly different workflows and requirements that need to be satisfied. And I think that's where automation can become challenging, but I think that um, that's much easier for businesses to achieve. All right. A couple more takeaways we have here. This is uh, the last or not last one, but second to last one. Uh, Companies are looking to lean on networks and partnerships to outsource some operations in order to boost capacity and meet consumer demands, which is increasing the importance of secure software integrations between systems. You know, with a lot of, you know, software integrations and software use, it's really only as good as, as the team that uses them and the team that adopts them how do you i guess how do you see customers maybe finding success with implementing new new software especially you know with with your use case that you you can onboard new customers and get them rolling within Mm -hmm. you know a couple days max um yeah so great great question and um i think that the where where we've seen um them getting getting that value is potentially that ability to work together more collectively with other providers in the industry as well. So whether that's being able to integrate with other service providers um, or just integrating more seamlessly with their, their customers, I think as that um, that that resource constraint um, on, on footprints and the availability of vehicles and staff become more and more of a pressure point, being able to provide additional services or automation and other aspects of their business, so automating their invoicing so they can get home at five o'clock or, or get back to their customers more, more quickly or giving their customers online portal and visibility uh, or being able to work um, in the same spa- in the same way with other service providers, whether that's transport companies that are doing their, doing their deliveries or other warehouses that are doing sort of overflow. I think that once they have that single source of truth, it enables them to take a much more flexible approach to how they're servicing their customers, but also how they're actually fulfilling on their um, logistics services. Sorry, did I answer the question okay there, Black? Yeah, or? because it actually, uh, you, you answered the next question I was going to ask. And oh, that's, sorry. no, yeah, that, I, I, <laughs> that works out great because it, it sounds like those are those early light bulb moments for your customers as they come on board. And then they, you know, it's one thing to, to, to sell them and then they, you know, they, they start using the product. But what are those light bulb moments that, that say, wow, this is a really good investment for us to make? I think, uh, yeah, the, the, the by far the my, my favorite one is once we, we go through the process of setting up customers' products, they do a couple of transactions, and then you can just basically sell them. By the way, all of your invoicing is already done, and they go no, and they <laughs> click on they click on the click on the button, and they go oh my gosh, and they just they they see the revenue leak is disappearing. They see the admin time going, and they they see like I said some of those other benefits, getting home on time, 
customers getting you know customers paying fast because there's no questions about the invoicing nothing's been done incorrectly but yeah being able to turn up on the first of the month or you know monday whatever they however they invoice and just having all that done that's the first i think penny drop moment once you get into you know operational workflows barcode scanning customer portal integration i think there's a whole bunch more but that's always the, the first one that's um yeah because the dollars the dollars always get people that's that's the that's the one that, that still gets the strongest reaction i think was there anything else from from the report that really stood out to you that, that you think is important to mention um, I think the other uh, the other interesting piece um, was really around the the number of businesses that were on paper processes. Mm-hmm. Still, um, we had ninety seven percent of the respondents say that they produced paper and one or more um, processes in their operation, uh, and a bit over two thirds was you know three or more. And I, I have not stopped in in six years being amazed at the size of organisations that are still very paper dependent. So I think that um, I know that's probably a little bit of um, old news in the industry, but it, it was still shocking that there's not more businesses that have been able to completely um, let go of, of paper. And uh, this isn't about us, but, you know, we certainly have customers that have been able to do that. So that 97% of the industry has, has not yet got there is um, is quite remarkable. Wow. That, I mean, that I, I remember going to a job interview like 10 years ago and handing someone my resume and he's like, no, thank you. And he refused my resume because he didn't <laughs> want to actually hold on to any paper. So it, it, that changed my level of thinking okay. around we, like electronically sending documents. <laughs> we did we did restrict it to logistics operations, not <laughs> recruitment operations. But um, that's 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 commitment to the cause. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> now, now we have... Uh, We've talked a lot about these takeaways. Where can has the the report been publicly released? Where can folks, you know, sort of, you know, find this more this information and download the report? Yeah, uh, one thing I, I should have said at the start is the report's free. Um, it's available on our website. Um, on our website, we have a, a drop down for the logistics um, index, and all of the previous uh, versions are available there to view and, and download. Um, yeah, completely completely for free. So cartoncloud.com. Uh, there has got yeah well, the full report. It's about eight to ten pages to try and keep it um, relatively succinct, and then all of the data is available in an appendix as, as well. So while you were there too, I should you know make the listeners aware that everything is logistics. Listeners are also getting fifty percent off their first three months at Cart and Cloud too. All you have to do is mention that you heard this interview. Uh, everything is logistics or EIL. You know you can probably use the acronym to make things a little bit smoother as well. <laughs> you can also sign up for a demo over at Cart and Cloud dot com and uh, you know obviously we, we feel really fortunate to be able to to partner with, with businesses like yourself because your your commitment to not only learning about the industry but to your customers as well and also to your employees because you you're, you just recently held an event where everyone got together and you were able to to do some live you know inter- interactions with your customers can you kind of break that down for us yeah absolutely um, and uh at the start, we talked about how everyone you speak to in the sales and, and customer support process is a logistics um, is is, an, is a logistics industry professional. Um, unfortunately, we can't have the same hiring policy for our, our developers. That would probably make the code very poor or um, the logistics operation very inefficient. But um, we do try and still maintain that connection, obviously with our staff who are incredibly important to us, but also making sure that our whole industry understands what our customers do uh, and what our software means to them. So um, in May, we held our annual back-to-base event where we had the entire company go back to our original um, headquarters in the Gold Coast in in Queensland, so not a terrible place for people from six or seven countries to have to head back to for for a week. 
Um, but we did two events that week that were um, that are incredibly important to us. So one is we took um, all of our technical team who haven't necessarily worked in warehouses. We took them out to see four or five of our customers in Queensland going out seeing how they use the software, seeing how they run their business, not just about the software, you know, walking around their warehouses, looking at their depots. Um, so going again to see the connection with, with the industry and understand when we talk about workflows or describe requirements, what that actually means in a real-world setting. But our, um, we also want our uh, technical team to understand how the software works. Mm. And so we did something called the Cart and Cloud Olympics where we ran an event on one of the afternoons. We split the team up into uh, so the the teams up into five or six people that were not operation staff. So these are people who have never worked in a warehouse, and we basically had them with a with a brief do a full implementation of a warehouse and the WMS and the TMS um, in about three hours. And uh, these are people who have never never worked in a warehouse. Obviously, know the system. They know the ones and the zeros, but have not necessarily spent as much time in the front end. And every single team was able to fully set up a customer set up all the products, process some orders, generate an invoice, and also complete a delivery and get signed on glass within about three and a half, half hours. So making sure that our, our software is, A, capable of being implemented by people who have never used it before, but also that our staff um, understand what our industry is, what it does, and what it means to them is, is just such a key part of, um, of our sort of philosophy and why, why our um, you know, our genuine mission is to just improve the lives of logistics people. Um, and I think that keeping that connection between us and our staff, but also our staff and our industry is what lets us do that as we continue to expand the product. Heck yeah. I, I love that approach because especially like from like a, you know, a, a marketer who is, you know, now, typically in the office, I never get to go out and see anything like that. The marketing like that. team had to do it as well. <laughs> Everyone had to. And they were out there uh, scanning on the mobile application, getting sun on glass. Um, and we had a, yeah, we had a bit of a, of a contest and um obviously made it into a made it into a prize in the in a competition so. that that's awesome because i mean it probably opened up so many different you know from a storytelling perspective from a coding perspective from user experience well, I'm, I'm sure maybe you solved additional problems yeah. that day based well, on that their user the best, experience exactly that was the best thing is that some of the developers came up with ideas and suggestions we had a list of about 25 ideas that came up like oh that's actually that screen's actually a little bit confusing or that error message doesn't make sense or how can we make this easier? So, you know, that wasn't the primary goal, but it was really cool to see um, the team who maybe aren't necessarily talking to customers every day actually see what a customer has to go to and go, oh, how can we make this different? How can we make this better? So, uh, yeah, it was it was a great event and um, I'm looking forward already to, to running the next version of that next year. Yeah, I, I love that because I, I think I heard one, uh, anytime Mark Zuckerberg and, and like Facebook employees deploy something new, he forced forces all of them to use that product only on the mobile phone and not on a desktop device just to make them aware of the different user experiences, which you only experience if you do it yourself. So I uh, love that. That's it. We we have, um, yeah, everyone everyone uses a mobile app. That was an entirely paperless exercise. And my favorite quote uh, was, was from one of our web developers who said, oh, great, let's find out why we have a mobile development team as he was opening the mobile app for the first time. So, but no, it's a <laughs> tongue-in-cheek reference, but it was great because like you say, people might only use one part of the application. You had mobile developers working on the web application, you had web applications doing 
scanning and getting asylum glass and it was a really great experience and i think as it delivered a lot of value it was a lot of fun uh and and yeah it, i was a, it was a there was sort of a proud moment there where you go how cool is it that our software can get implemented by people who don't even know about logistics in, in three and a half hours so there was there was some nice moments for the company there as well yeah for sure that that sounds super cool now now moving into sort of the the final part of the show which is uh, something pretty new uh, we starting in starting in july for for this show and it's the rapid fire uh questions that i like to ask you know each person that, that comes on the show just to kind of get a glimpse into, you know, how they operate their business separate from, you know, the, the actual, I think, you know, in the trenches business stuff, which it might be a little bit in the trenches, might be a little bit outside the trenches. Um, but for, for you guys, I see you guys have a podcast called The, the Logistics People, and you had some episodes drop in, in 2020. <laughs> what are some other fun and interesting ways you have marketed yourself for Cart and Cloud, even though I just said it doesn't have to do business related, even though this is a very business specific question? <laughs> I was like, it feels like you're putting me back into the trenches. You're talking about one of the, you've like kind of ruined my two favorite answers: the CCLI and the um, uh, the CCLI and the podcast. But uh, no, the, the podcast is uh, is. is gone a little bit stagnant but um no i think that some of the things that we love to do is we've actually launched uh, a new sort of learning management system um which basically allows us to do sort of i think a really good job of gener- generating um product walkthrough videos training videos but through like a gamified yeah. kind of um like an academy if you've ever used like a hubspot academy or, or some of those salesforce type trailhead we've used that same basically approach for logistics and we've got um what that's enabled us to do is to market us in a way that you can actually learn the system in a couple of minutes. And I think we're still kind of getting there, but the old iPhone, um, uh, the old iPhone ad from the very first version, which was you watched a 30 second ad and their whole tagline was now, you know how to use it. That's kind of what we're, um, we're going for is that these product videos, you watch a, a one or two minute video and go, Oh, I could do that. And that's the answer is you actually can. It's not that hard. So um, I think that's probably some of the more fun stuff that we, that we do. What about your your favorite social media platform and why? Yes, I am going to I'm going to say Twitter for that one. Um, it's a little not necessarily that I love everything that's happened in Twitter in the last twelve months, <laughs> but I I still think that it's um, uh, such a great platform. I, I love the access to, to information, direct connection with sort of industry experts and a range of different subjects, um, uh, and also yeah, some of the um, some of the interactions you see on there are quite quite unique. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably still my favorite. <laughs> that, that, that's a good way of putting it. it it's, it's definitely, um, it's, it's like witnessing a dumpster fire, but from a safe distance. <laughs> Correct. I think my, the, the enjoyment style has shifted over the last 12 months, but it's, um, it's still, it is still enjoyable. So. <laughs> Feels like our, our modern day, like trash TV, like the Jerry Springer or Maury Povich. <laughs> It does. I uh, I feel like I can I can relax a little bit more on Twitter than maybe like LinkedIn or, or something yes. like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely it's interesting to, to see the the different languages that are being spoken. Um, you know, some of them one is maybe more profanity filled, and the other one is just a little bit more uh, fake polished. I, I guess is probably Mate, the right phrase. I, th- I would I would agree wholeheartedly <laughs> with that. All right, favorite SaaS product that is not your own. Yeah, I mean that's number one and two. No, I um <laughs> this one this one's easy. This one's going to be a little bit specific, but we have a plugin um to my not favorite SaaS product, which is Slack. Uh, very much not my favorite. We have a plugin to Slack called Donut, and what Donut does is every week um it connects you with someone else in the company, and it works through to try and connect you with people that you haven't connected with, and it basically has a just suggests some 15 minute slots that work in your calendar and basically means that every week you have a 15 minute conversation with 
someone from the company and it goes through and matches you up. And we're a remote organization of about 65 people across six or seven countries. And as you've heard, like our team and our staff are you know, incredibly important same, on the same level as our, as our customers. And being able to have those sort of water cooler chats and just making sure that everyone in the organization is, is connecting and getting to know and just a 15 minute conversation about anything not work related is, um, it could be work related. It's just, it's just my favorite thing. I, it's my favorite 15 minutes of the, of the week and seeing people who had never met connects at our back to base for the first time in person and already know about their kids or their interests or their favorite food was um it was was really cool so that's my that's my favorite SaaS product unfortunately embedded within my least favorite SaaS product but <laughs> it's uh it makes it makes up for some of the annoyance of slack so oh love that that that's such a great idea to, especially from a remote perspective it, you know keeping everybody somewhat connected and then it makes those in-person meetings so so much more powerful it does. All right. Well, well, last question. Favorite supply chain. Well, not really second to last question, but favorite Ooh. supply chain factoid. <laughs> it, this one is another easy one for me. Uh, 90% of um, logistics businesses are small, medium enterprises. Mm. So that's obviously very close to our heart. Um, a lot of software companies spend a lot of money developing products for those big guys because they spend a lot of money. They have very complicated requirements. Uh, but our passion and our excitement is in the other 90%, um, the ones who can be forgotten occasionally, but they make up a lot more of the industry than you might think. So, yeah, 90% of um, logistics businesses are small, medium enterprises. So that's wow. um, that's my favorite. Wow. that That's an incredible market. It is especially considering, you know, all of the, the, the greatest importance that, you know, getting your stuff to your from port to porch is, is obviously very important for everybody around the world. So, yes, great mm-hmm. factoid that you just shared. And final question, is there anything else about Cart and Cloud that you feel was important to address that I didn't ask? about no i think um i think you, you've hit sort of um that i mean i think we've covered off on the main points i think um the, the best i think that the, the thing that's most important to us is that we like to also be a very uh honest and transparent organization it's been one of the adjustments as an organization we've had to make i think coming into the north american market where maybe the um the, the confidence uh, in, in what you can do and maybe the, the bragging is a little bit more embedded in the sales and marketing process. And we've come from, um, and this was important to us, we've come from being an Australian organization. We're now North American organization, but we tell customers exactly what we can do. We fulfill on the work. We absolutely fulfill on what we say, but we're also the first to sort of put our hands up and highlight any, um, any areas that we, we, we sort of think that there's going to need to be some more discovery. So I think that that honesty and transparency integrity is what's, allowed us to build a really good relationship with customers. Um, and that's something that I think we offer, um, along with excellent customer service to all of our users here. So um, that's been that's been a fun journey for us to go on. Um, and yeah, that's, I think, the, the, main, the main thing we haven't spoken about. But we've talked about the software and uh, people are not listening to this podcast to hear my, my sales pitch. They can they can reach me on any of the <laughs> they can reach me on any of the website forms if they if they want to. But I think we've had a really good conversation about um, I guess what what Cunt Cloud sort of prioritizes and what, what matters to us. Absolutely, we will make sure that we have all of those links here in the show notes, just to make sure it's super easy to reach out to you to to book that demo, to download that report. Um, anything else that we can expect from you guys in in the coming months or maybe coming years? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've got a really cool project that we've been working on. Um, so our vision is to basically break down the differentiation between warehousing and transport software. Um, you know, we've ended up with both applications and we've been trying to identify ways that we can kind of break down this arbitrary just distinction between something that's you know coming in on a truck and something that's being received off of a, of a container and tracking cartons on, on pallets or cartons on, on trailers. 
Uh, so we've got some really cool features, I think, coming out of the next three to six months that will start to break down, you know, what we call an inbound order or a delivery just starts to become just a workflow and a task. Um, so there's some really exciting things that will be uh, hitting uh, hitting our um, customers over the next couple of months, but also I think over the next sort of 12 to 18 months as we give our customers basically just to, in, the, in our dream state, at least a very configurable um, system. They can kind of call it whatever they want, change rules, build their own workflows, um, and really just make sure that they can get software that does exactly what they need to without having to change their operation. So our, our release log, our YouTube channel always has our new updates, uh, and obviously you can always talk to someone from our team if you want to as, as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. This was great. Fascinating discussion. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Bart. It was uh, wonderful getting to meet you, and thanks for the conversation. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast for the thinkers in freight, telling the stories behind how your favorite stuff and people get from point A to B. Subscribe to the show, sign up for our newsletter, and follow our socials over at everythingislogistics.com. And in addition to the podcast, I also wanted to let y'all know about another company I operate, and that's Digital Dispatch, where we help you build a better website. Now, a lot of the times we hand this task of building a new website or refreshing a current one off to a coworker's child, a neighbor down the street, or a stranger around the world, where you probably spend more time explaining the freight industry than it takes to actually build the dang website. Well, that doesn't happen at Digital Dispatch. We've been building online since 2009, but we're also early adopters of AI, automation, and other website tactics that help your company to be a central place to pull in all of your social media posts, recruit new employees, and give potential customers a glimpse into how you operate your business. Our new website builds start as low as $1,500, along with ongoing website management, maintenance, and updates starting at $90 a month, plus some bonus freight marketing and sales content similar to what you hear on the podcast. You can watch a quick explainer video over on digitaldispatch.io. Just check out the pricing page once you arrive, and you can see how we can build your digital ecosystem on a strong foundation. Until then, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll see you all real soon and go Jags. Go Jags.